0: Part Four, Chapter 23, Convolutions, New Detroit and Edo, May through August, 2360, four years later. Teddy had been to New Detroit many times over the past 50 years, but never to this neighborhood. The properties here were huge, gated estates, and he figured some of the owners probably had a net worth equal to the entire nation of Bosch. Well, maybe not that much. Bosch was like Teddy, outwardly understated and modest, but below the surface, there was an abundance of power and markers. He strolled along the far sidewalk and surveyed the vicinity. He didn't worry about assessing security because he wasn't going to be breaking in or out. The air was chilly on the cool May evening, and he rubbed his hands together, flexing the fingers that had been stiff and uncooperative of late to warm them. He eyed the place he would be visiting tomorrow at a discreet distance. He'd agreed to be picked up and driven to the address, and he was positive the vehicle would be luxurious, but would also have darkened windows to keep his destination confidential. At least, confidential was their intention. Teddy had been running reconnaissance missions for decades, and a friendly chat at the end of a long work shift on public transportation with a few gardeners and cooks over a couple of days had allowed him to zero in on the address. He took a few photos and wrote the address down for his letter later. It was time to go get a drink. He had arranged to meet one of the gardeners with whom he had visited in a more modest section of town for a beer. He was looking forward to it. Then he would head back to the room he had rented. Tomorrow was showtime. I realize it was years ago, Teddy, but my sources tell me that Bosch is the most likely place this woman we are seeking would have gone. He had a smooth, rich, melodious voice. That was the voice that was supposed to have been the F.A. president's gotta tell you now, Rob. We get a lot of hot bonds in our business. Teddy sat forward in the leather chair and looked Rob Abernathy in the eye. He made sure his pirate patois was broad and his mannerisms exaggerated. All the losers in this world think they can solve their troubles by becoming a pirate. It ain't true. Nope, not by a long shot. Being a pirate takes skills and brains, but I didn't tell you that. You'd have been a good pirate if you'd have wanted to. Abernathy looked appalled at his statement, but stayed quiet. Teddy rubbed his chin. But you know, I think I might remember the one you'd be talking about. Kind of scrawny, chopped off hair. I remember because she had the Thrall brand. He gestured to his arm. Don't see that much, nope. Rob shrugged and nodded slightly as if he didn't recall, but Teddy could tell he did. Teddy felt his hand twitch as if to move toward the small hand weapon he had concealed, but consciously stopped it. He was here to help Kat not satisfy his own thirst for vengeance. One shot would do it, he thought, but his fingers weren't responding like they should these days, and he'd never make it out alive. He paused and considered that option. No, this was to be Kat's kill when she chose it. When she had the power and the allies, focus on the mission, Teddy. He told himself, see what cards he's holding. I, I asked around a bit. If she be the same one you be seeking. She did spend some time in Bosch, even signed up to surf, but ultimately it didn't work out. Not the right stuff to be a real pirate. Teddy squeezed his eyes as if he was really thinking back. I be thinking she moved on back to her podunk North Country, where she likes thrilling with stories about where she'd been and who she had met. He gave a swipe of his hand to Abernathy, who preened with the thought. What was her name? Abernathy pressed. Teddy wrinkled his brow and looked at the tall, handsome monster incredulously. You can't even remember the names of the thralls you keep, and you expect an old man to remember the name of every recruit who crawls to him trying to curry favor? Fat chance. Abernathy looked unruffled. There was talk she had lived with you for a time. Began Teddy exclaimed, thinking how he hadn't used that word for years. What sort of a fool do you take me for, Abernathy? You think I bring some little wench home to meet the wife, do you? He smiled and winked with what he hoped was a sly dog look. This was territory that required the most of his acting skills. Would you? He looked at his empty glass and wished he could have it filled with good whiskey, but instead asked, Any chance I could have another weed drop of that rum? Abernathy narrowed his eyes, but said pleasantly enough, Of course, let me arrange that for you. He lifted a small comm, made to look like an old Earth Day's telephone, and spoke quietly into it. Within a few moments, there was a soft knock at the door, and it slowly opened. A petite woman with long blonde hair and a braid stood at the entry, holding a tray and looking nervous and uncomfortable. Abernathy stood up. Ha, Anne. He walked over to collect Teddy's drink, chatting softly with the woman at the doorway. Teddy took the opportunity, while Abernathy's back was turned, to pull his camera and take several shots of the room, the windows, and the door, before quickly sliding the camera back into the secret pocket he kept front and center of his trousers. No guard ever checked there. Abernathy handed the crystal glass with the sweet, strong rum in it to Teddy. He smiled at him, and then walked to his chair and sat down. He looked at Teddy and steepled his fingers. Teddy shifted in his seat, taking enough of a drink to appear polite. You take me for a fool, old man, Abernathy said evenly. Teddy was undisturbed. Most people are, Senator. You and I both know that, he winked. Rob Abernathy nodded in acknowledgement of the statement. Nevertheless, I have it on good authority that my property ended up in your possession on Bosch. He leaned down and withdrew a piece of paper. According to my source, you and your wife began keeping one Katrina Wallace at your home in the spring of 2349. My information states she graduated from that pirate school you call a military force and then left the country. He paused and looked up. Teddy steadily met his eyes and said nothing. Where is she now? Abernathy asked. His voice was clipped. Well now. Teddy paused and deliberately looked down at his hands and shifted uncomfortably. He had figured Abernathy knew more than he had initially let on. He just needed to play this part well. He gave a large sigh. "Aye, hey, you've got my story telling fair and square. There was a lass by that name that stowed away, and me and my wife did take her in for a time. I hey, I'm afraid we had a bit of a falling out. She had served well for a few years, but still carried some bad habits with. Her temper, for one. I told her we couldn't tolerate that at our home. Next thing I knew, she'd taken off with some foreign guy who had hired her for an extraction. Few things went missing from our place and the base at the same time. Not exactly a proud moment for me. He contemplated pulling his handkerchief out and blowing his nose, but thought that would be over the top. Abernathy continued to stare at Teddy over his steepled fingers. A moment of quiet passed. That story parallels the information I've collected. What country was the foreigner from? Teddy shrugged. Hard to say. One of them western continent ones. He made sure to make eye contact. Those eyes. Cat was right. It was like looking into an abyss. Empty. My sources have suggested Ida or China. I'll be following up with those leads. She will be found, and she will be returned to me. As a military man, you must appreciate that such a breach in discipline cannot be tolerated without repercussions. Here he smiled and tapped his lips with his index finger. And my sources will be keeping an eye on who comes and goes from Bosch. Another shrug from Teddy. He needed to look unconcerned with any outcome, but he wanted to leap across the room and strangle this monster with his bare hands. That couldn't happen, though. In the first place, that pleasure would be cat's. In the second, he was too old for this shit. Well, you will do as you will. He set his glass down on the small table and stood to leave. Kenichi Tsukasa sat looking at the screen. He was dressed casually, but had slipped a traditional formal robe over his comfortable clothes for this video com. The man on the other end of the com was dressed exquisitely, at least the part that Kenichi could see. Though from what he knew of the F.A. ex-senator, he was likely fully costumed. He was a handsome man for someone from the Central Continent, and his shirt, jacket, and neckwear, which was a marvelous shade of maroon, were obviously expensive and tailored. His eyes, however, seemed to hold no light, even as he chatted with Kenichi about the roses he nurtured in his garden in New Detroit. They were quite moody this spring, the man was saying. I do worry that my blooms will not be as they should this summer. Kenichi nodded. My trees do not bloom, but are always a work in progress. He gestured behind him and moved the comm so Rob Abernathy could see the collection of carefully pruned bonsai that were arranged on a wooden stand. Then he turned the calm back to himself. So, Mr. Abernathy, Kenichi intentionally omitted the title of senator. I understand you are requesting that some of your people be allowed into Edo to search for. Here he narrowed his eyes and looked up and to the left as if he was trying to remember the reason. He knew the reason. Ah, uh, yes, a young woman? Rob Abernathy replied quickly. I'm in search of stolen property, Tsukasa-san. I believe this person, this woman, has those items. Kenichi smiled. Ah, well, we cannot allow your people to conduct searches in Edo. It would be far too upsetting to the people. However, if you will forward the necessary details. Kenichi smiled inwardly at his use of the word. He would have to share that with Wallace-san the next time they took tea. She would appreciate the irony. My people will be happy to seek out the items for you and return them if they are recovered. That is very considerate of you, but unnecessary. My men can be very discreet. Tsukasa-san noted that Rob Abernathy's face had taken on a darkness that belied the tone he was hearing. He had upset the man. That pleased him. Time to demonstrate his dominance. I'm afraid the answer is no, Mr. Abernathy, and I must now go. June is a busy month. I have important business to attend to. He clicked his comm off even as he saw the man begin to speak. Kenichi Tsukasa stood up and took off his formal robe, carefully shaking it out and hanging it up. He reached over to his nightstand and picked up the old Earth Days book his friend Cat Wallace had recommended and settled into his most comfortable chair to the important business of catching up with one Walt Longmire. Rob Abernathy threw the comm against the wall and was disappointed it did no more than thump to the floor. He disliked feeling he had to ask permission for anything and he especially disliked having to take the time himself to deal with some foreigner preventing him from retrieving his property. No matter. He doubted if the family this man represented would take any action against his men. He had gleaned some information from the pirate boss to help his people track Mary down and he had other sources as well. He would continue to pursue her until she was brought before him. He had not revealed that the woman he was seeking was a thrall as on the outside, the Edoans had lofty principles, stemming from their national religion that forbade the keeping of thralls. But the man he had spoken to was certainly comfortable with the practice, as a portion of the orders for specific types of thralls, mostly young women, came from Edo and from the organization Tsukasa led. It was a bit curious, however, that based on the records he had seen from a few years prior to his takeover of the trade, the number of orders sent to Edo was declining he would have his people push a bit harder to reopen that market. Kenichi Sukasa looked at the handwritten note he had composed. It was in standard FA, not ease. He would ask his assistant to read it over and be sure his usage of the language was appropriate and accurate, but he believed it said what needed to be said. I.K., Honorable Master Commander of Bosch, Theodore Teddy Bosch, I would like to introduce myself. I am Kenichi Tsukasa of Edo. I'm a friend of your daughter, Cat Wallace. We've been friends for several years, ever since she intervened when my daughters were threatened by traders at a winter festival. My business allows me a great deal of information regarding who is in Edo and what business they are seeking. It has come to my attention that the villain responsible for enslaving and tormenting Wallace's son desires to track her and seek retribution on her. Abernathy has asked for my assistance and this has been rejected. He has sent representatives this summer, even though I cautioned him against it. They have been dealt with, and their remains returned to Abernathy to underscore the seriousness of my family's responsibility to protect the people of Edo, and to keep our word. I wish to assure you, as one father to another, no one will touch Wallace's son, nor her family, while she is in Edo. However, I have heard her discuss returning to Bosch, and I would strongly caution against that beyond short visits as her work for Bosch would expose her to Abernathy and his thirst to regain possession of her and seek revenge. It has been my honor and delight to make your daughter's acquaintance, and I look forward to meeting with you one day as well. Kegu Kinishi Tsukasa. Sitting on his back porch in his favorite chair, Teddy blew on his still-too-hot coffee. The early morning sun was pleasant, though it would be intense later in the day as it always was in late August. He checked his watch for the time and picked up his comm, putting in the comm code that had been included with the letter he had recently received. He heard the ring through the comm as the signal traveled the thousands of kilometers. Ah, Master Commander Bosch, how are you? I'm delighted to speak with you. You are Kenishi Tsukasa? Should I call you Tsukasa san It's evening there, right? You can call me Teddy. The Bosch aren't much for formality, unlike Ido. He heard a laugh from the other side of his comm. I see where Cat has learned her directness. We are a very formal people here. There are rules for everything. But one of the amenities of being a man in my position is I get to disregard those rules as I choose. Please, call me Kenichi. Teddy grinned. Well then, Kenichi, it is good to talk with you. I gotta tell you, I appreciated the letter you sent and the actions and motivations behind it. Cat is a friend and I owe her a debt that can never be repaid, which I'm sure you can understand as a father yourself. That I can. Cat is like a daughter to me. Teddy smiled to himself. While I appreciate you keeping an eye out for her, the idea that she should stay in Edo is laughable. Eventually, Cat will return to Bosh. I know she wants to. She has said as much to me, but this is where I must ask for a father's caution. My reach only extends to the borders of Edo. I cannot protect her and her work flying pirate missions from Bosch. We can take care of our own. Teddy frowned at the assumptions. And Kat, well, she's special. She could be a leader in Bosch if I can convince her. Take it into the future. That's been my hope since she arrived. A noble dream, but one that requires she stay alive. You have never lost any of your force during missions? Teddy shifted uncomfortably. Seldom, but it happens. And are there signs of surveillance from this Abernathy? Teddy could hear the distaste in Kenichi's voice as he said the name. Well, yes. There are ships patrolling outside our territory that are registered to him, and some F.A. styled airships that have been seen by our flyers with report of them attempting to intercept visiting vessels. Any indication he has allies within Bosch? There are sources we are attempting to track down. I see. The words hung in the air. It's nothing we can't manage. And Kat has been in plenty of conflicts. She can handle herself. I've seen the results of her abilities. But she has small children now. Children that could be used against her. Teddy's son. Ido's borders are tight and controlled. No one arrives or leaves without a record. And my people have access to those records in real time. Teddy, she is safest here. At least until her children are grown. Teddy thought about his grandchildren in Edo and the freedom they had to roam the mountainside forests and clearings. He wanted Kat to come home, to take her place as part of the future of Bosch. He thought about the letter he had written to her with the photos and the address. You know Kat, it's pretty hard to dissuade her from what she wants. Kenichi's warm laugh came through the calm. This is very true, but if anyone can, it will be you. Your counsel means the most to her. Teddy went quiet for almost a full minute. His mind was working quickly and efficiently despite the unpleasant news he had received recently from his very own Dr. Dalton. That news had caused him to consider an exit strategy. He began to see the pieces of a final mission fall together. A mission that could be parlayed to give him the exit he wanted and the one that would protect Kat as well. But the price was high. He growled under his breath. I don't know, Kenichi. There may be a way to keep her from returning to Bosch. It would break her heart, though. There was now a pause at the other end of the comm. Better a broken heart and a long life. The master commander of Bosch sighed and nodded to himself, closing his eyes. Sometimes for a mission to succeed, the final goal had to change. He would put the letter aside. He would do what he could in the time he had to protect Kat and her children. He would let go of his dream that she would follow in his footsteps. He cleared his throat and swiped at his eyes. Kenichi, I thank you for everything you have done. Your counsel is sound. I'll take it from here. Patty Owens sat in his small old Toronto apartment and looked at the envelopes of markers that his people had dropped off this week and smiled. Glitter sales continued to be good, no surprise there, and he was enjoying the profits his crew brought in. He had plans to use some of those profits to increase the small arms stock he had that would allow him to force out or absorb some of the smaller dealers and to take in another block or two in old Toronto as his territory. Patty intended to become a rich man and a powerful one. His personal comm rang. It was not a familiar number, but not many had his personal information, so he answered it. Hey, Patty, how's business? It was indeed a familiar voice. Cad, business is booming mostly because you aren't making drops and out negotiating me. Patty laughed. Where are you? This isn't your usual calm. Yeah, I've been living outside of Bosch for the past few years. But I have a deal I'm putting together and I wanted to see if you wanted in. What's the risk? How much could I make? Patty peered out his curtainless window at the street below with its boarded up buildings and its view of the gun shop. He was always interested in different ways to make markers. The risk is negligible and the markers plentiful. Her voice sounded reassuring over the calm. Patty chuckled. Sounds too good to be true, Kat, and we both know what that means. Not this time, Patty, because it's my deal. I am looking for information on someone. I have a score to settle with them, and I need to know when they are vulnerable. All I'm asking is that you use that ever-growing network of yours to let me know when this person is exposed, and I can get to them. I'll pay 10,000 markers, five now, and five when you get me the information. Patty considered. These were most definitely easy markers. He had crew all over the city and connections in several other central continent cities. Having them send him information was no cost to him. But Cat didn't need to know that. You want me to pull my people off their corners and go sniffing around for you, Cat? Not a nickel under 50 grand. He heard a hoot come from across the comm. Patty, buddy, I calmed you because we have a relationship and I figured you'd want in. But if you don't, fine. I can calm someone else. Just don't try and soak me for such an absurd amount. I have expenses. He didn't want to lose the deal, so he tread cautiously. Well, that you do, and we go back a long way, so how about I sweeten it to 20,000? Well... Patty stretched the word out as if he might decline. Okay, Cat, for you, I'll take the loss. Cat's laugh could be heard throughout the room through the calm. You are ever so kind, Patty. I am the soul of generosity, so who is the mark? Patty picked up a writing pen and a scrap of paper. Rob Abernathy, recently of New Detroit, came the answer. Patty's eyes went wide.